Kate Brown is bad for Oregon. There are homeless camps everywhere. Foster children are starving. Seniors are abused in nursing homes. And you can sell drugs while running a daycare. And it's all her fault. Newt Bueller took away, took health care from 30,000 Oregonians. He won't turn over his tax records for review. And he doesn't think women should have the freedom to get an abortion. Oregon families can't trust Newt Bueller. Had enough of this lately? And this is between two candidates of the same party. Imagine what it's going to be like a little further on. On the one hand, I feel like I've desecrated this holy space with the utterances of American politics. On the other hand, uh, they're a pretty good example of the kind of wisdom of the world James speaks about in our text. Most of us chalk uh, campaign mudslinging uh, to good old American politics. You know, that's how it's been working for uh, 200 years. You want to be a politician? A governor? You've got to be aggressive, ambitious. And your campaign ads, well, you know, it's arguable if they're even truthful. And this kind of behavior is expected, according to worldly wisdom. And James would say it's earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. You ever thought of American politics as that way? And it doesn't, you know, doesn't it seem to fit that where self-ambition exists in the political sphere of life, there is disorder and every vile of practice, or every vile practice? Can you imagine then, if, if any nation's politics practiced the wisdom from above, what would that look like? How differently would people be treated by their leaders and their laws? How different would people treat each other? Do these characteristics conjure up in your mind American politics, pure, peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere? Well, politics is one thing. What about the alternative to earthly, unspiritual, and demonic? Heavenly, spiritual, and godly things are why it's good for you and me to attend church on Sundays. Because for most of us, this is the only time during the week when and where we're going to hear something different than what you hear in the world. Whether it's on TV, the internet, books, magazines, billboards, radio, bumper stickers, what have you. You want mainstream in your life? You want popular? Then don't participate in the life of the church. You want some alternative, something unique? Then come and worship. And you're here. That's good. This is where and when God gives us His wisdom which comes down from above through His Word. The wisdom of the world comes out of human hearts and mouths. And if we take James's warning against worldliness to the letter... It would seem he's telling us all to be monks or something. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Enmity is a strong word. It means the state or feeling of actively being opposed 
or hostile to someone. I wouldn't think that is something any of us would want to be with God. On the surface, it looks like James is giving us a bit of uh, self-help advice. Be more humble. Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil. Draw near to God. Purify your hearts and you won't be God's enemy. And he chastises those who do behave this way. But despite those first impressions, this isn't self-help. It's a public announcement of Jesus Christ at work in our lives. But before I show you that, I want to show you these two families, the Bakers and the Murtaugh's. The Bakers there on the left are a family of 12 kids, and the Murtaugh's on the right have eight kids. The two dads of these families are old rivals. Jim Murtaugh on the right constantly flaunts his wealth and success to Tom Baker and brags about his kid's superiority over Tom's, always making a big deal that his eight are better than Tom's 12. Their rivalry comes to a head when they camp at the same lake one summer and compete in the camp's annual Labor Day Family Cup. The two families pit themselves against each other in a bitter race to the finish, but things take a turn when the Baker's family's oldest daughter starts to give birth to her first child during the canoe race. The two families let go of their enmity towards one another, and they work together to get the daughter to the hospital in time before the baby comes out. <laughs> Maybe you've seen this light-hearted family comedy, Cheaper by the Dozen 2, all fun and games. I could have used a dozen other movie examples of competitiveness, but this one came to me because of the way the two families treat each other at first and the way it changes. It's a great love thy neighbor illustration. If you haven't seen it, you should watch it. Now take a look at these banners, these red Pentecost banners. You know, you can't, depending on where you're sitting, you can't read them, but you know, take a, another look at them as you exit the church today and read them. Uh, they're only going to be up for another couple of months until Advent. These remind us of the fruits of faith the Holy Spirit gives us and creates in our hearts to be and do for other people. James speaks much the same. Peace, gentleness, open to reason, full of mercy, impartial and sincere. We Christians lose the competitive nature when it comes to the way we treat our neighbor. And I'm not talking about our kids' sports or watching football. I mean what James means. Jealousy. Covetousness. The wisdom of the world says to claw your way over others to get to the top of the heap. God doesn't see us that way, though. And he gives us his wisdom to see the world differently, more like he does. We get to see problems now as occasions for which Jesus died. Homeless camps in Portland, yeah, a problem. An occasion to not blame the governor or the state, but to apply the gospel. Jesus died and rose again for them. Addiction and self-destruction are sins for which Christ atones a person for through his death. So we see them as people made in the image of God. 
That would be the mercy fruit of the spirit James is talking about. What else? How about open to reason? The current wisdom of the world says, condemn people who don't agree with you, who don't agree with your way of thinking and believing, and banish them, silence them. No debate, no alternative view, no dissent. But is that reason? Is that reasonable? The Christian is empowered by Christ to be open to reason. And this is hard for us because sometimes we encounter people who don't believe in Jesus and they say things that make us uncomfortable. We're just as capable of condemning them, but James says no. And don't misunderstand this last part of our text. Humble yourselves before the Lord and He will exalt you. He doesn't mean for us to make ourselves miserable so that God will show favor on us. That's what Luther did when he was a monk. He whipped himself and denied himself food and drink. And some Christians today still think that they have to do those kinds of things so that God will lift them up, show favor and mercy on him. No, the humbleness James is speaking of is also a fruit of faith. It's a result of being laid low before God because of our sin. And by repentance, that is, being truly sorry for our sin comes forgiveness, new life, a change of heart to be like what James is talking about. And the crown of life, you know, joy in, uh, joy in paradise after we die. I hope you've enjoyed James these last few weeks. I have. We finally get some grace from him in these verses. Finally. It's not a long book, but it's there. But notice he doesn't go into detail about the grace Jesus poured out onto us by his death and resurrection and all of that. But he does, he mentions grace. And the Christian hearer knows what he's talking about. We started out three weeks ago hearing some uncomfortable verses which sounded to us Lutherans a little heavy on the works, on good works to be saved. But James is just framing faith and good works in a different way than Paul. The second week took a broader view of James's warning against hurtful words and applied them to the whole Christian church. Today we see how much better the wisdom of God is to the wisdom of the world. And next week, Pastor Kiesling is going to finish this series out with some last thoughts. If you've been tracking this whole thing, uh, and we'll make it next week, we'll all be experts on James. Yeah. A much too overlooked book of the Bible by Lutherans. And in October, I'm going to start a new series on Hebrews, because the lectionary has got us looking, uh, reading from Hebrews for, I think it's five or six Sundays in a row. Much more, you know, Hebrews is much more read than James, I think, by the casual Bible reader. Much more preached on in the church and always relevant because it's uplifting, encouraging news that Jesus is our high priest and sacrificial lamb who has saved us. You don't want to miss that. You miss church, you miss a lot. So may the Spirit produce in you fruit and empower you to be peaceable with your neighbor, gentle, 
open to reason, full of mercy, impartial, and sincere, and many, many more good fruits. Amen.